Good morning, Ridgepoint Church. How are you guys doing? Awesome, awesome. Super glad you guys are here. Uh, I'm Josh. I'm the youth pastor. Really excited to come in uh, the third week of the series, Four Easy Steps uh, to Wreck Your Life, um, because we really want to help you wreck your life. No, I'm just kidding. That's not the point at all of the series. Um, actually, the, obviously, we're, we're kind of playing, playing a little bit on that. Um, the whole point of that really is actually to go, hey, here's four easy ways to wreck your life. Don't do it, right? Like, here's how to not wreck your life is really the point, but um, obviously, that, that kind of catches the attention. And I just want to, I, I, I don't know, I might get in trouble. I shouldn't get in trouble for this. Um, man, I want to thank Jameson and Beth and Ashley and Austin, all the creative team people that kind of helped get our logos and uh, the little bumper videos, all that stuff. Man, y'all are awesome. And, don't, you know, just they're behind-the-scenes type people. I just want to say thank you guys because especially like that, I love like that song and with the series, it just makes so much sense. It gets me pumped up. So um, with that said, though, guys, really excited about it. And before we kind of get into this week, I want to talk about next week for a second. Um, JJ will be back, and he's actually going to be talking about um, some pretty um, big things. We're actually going to be approaching the topic of adultery and pornography, um, so pretty heavy stuff, and just kind of want to encourage you guys as a church. Um, we really think that middle schoolers and even sometimes younger, in a lot of cases, are dealing with that. So we'd encourage you that we, we really think that this message is something that is going to be relevant to them, that they, 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 probably need, they, they might need to hear, um, but we also know it's a pretty heavy stuff, and we respect the discretion of, of you guys as parents. So um, we will have things next week. Uh, for middle schoolers, uh, Tanya's going to have some stuff going on for them. If you guys are feeling like, hey, we don't want um, our middle schoolers in there for that, it's pretty heavy stuff. Um, so I just want to let you guys be aware of that. If you guys already kind of have an idea what you're going to do um, as you guys pray through it and stuff, just let us know. Like, hey, my middle school will be back there um, with Miss Tanya and stuff to help uh, get stuff done for RPC kids. Um, so just letting you guys know, I want you all to be aware of that. That's next week. Um, really big topic. Um, we really like and love and encourage you guys to be here for that because you do not want to miss that week. With that said, let's get to this week. <laughs> um, this week, guys, we're actually talking about the blame game, um, which I think a lot of us kind of know and, and, and get. When I say the blame game, immediately you kind of understand or know where that's coming from, right? Like the blame game, like, hey, something happens, something goes on, immediately, hey, it's them. It's, it's not me, it's them, or it's this thing or that thing. Um, and, and really, as we're going to approach this, we're going to approach it from two different kind of sides. Um, one is literally everything. Like nothing is my fault, right? Like everything is, is something else. It's really not me or, or I'm going to downplay my part. I might have some part, but really it's this bigger issue right here that has literally little to do with me. Or when it comes to the things going on in our life, we try to hold on to all the blame. Every little bit, everything goes on. It's all my fault. Nothing's right. Everything is, is I'm just screwing everything up. And that's kind of the two ways that we play the blame game. Either we, we, we give it all away, we give all the blame away, or we try to take all of it. Um, and really neither, neither of those things are healthy and both can leave, lead, lead to some pretty big wreckage in our lives. Um, but as we, as we kind of jump into that, I want to share two stories with you guys, kind of from my own life, because honestly, getting ready for this series, um, I had a really hard time kind of fitting it in the context of, of each of the other messages. Like, the whole, the whole thing, kind of, y'all remember, if y'all were here last week, um, and Jay talked about addiction, but he kind of opened up and talked about, man, you know, if we're making brownies, like, there's all these little things in our life we want to put in our spiritual life, our social life, and all these things, but we put one bad ingredient in, and the whole thing is ruined, right? We just put ketchup in, and it's ruined. And, like, each of the ones, like, we have one, like Chris talked about two weeks ago, that, you know, anger at work. And if we get angry, you know, this one time we get angry, and we can wreck so many things in our life. Or JJ, as you talked last week about addiction, like, one time we, we, we try this thing, and this one thing happens that we kind of start trying to let it fulfill our lives. And then all of a sudden, our whole life is off course. And I was kind of looking at the blame game, like, I mean, you know, maybe one white lie can lead to another, and it kind of gets the barrel roll effect, but then I started thinking more about it, and I was like, you know what? Honestly, there are some pretty big steps in our life that we can honestly one time just throw the blame somewhere else and leave it, and it can seriously kind of wreck us. So I want to kind of share two, two stories in my own life that kind of helped me see, 
see this a little bit. And they're, they're, they're both a little different, but, but I, I think it's going to help us see kind of the context of where we're going. So the first one is um, football. Uh, and if you guys know me at all, I seem to talk about football a lot. <laughs> and particularly in my own life and, and, and going, going in high school, I, not necessarily think it was the glory days. It just really, God used that in a big way. That was my, my kind of addiction like I talked about last week. Um, and, and so God kind of, my next addiction has been him, so, um, which is a good. Uh, but with football, so often, and you guys, if you are here last week, I told you, you know, I couldn't play football. My goal was to be a professional. I didn't even get to college playing football. And part of, you know, the reason was is because I, I played linebacker, and you guys can look at me and tell that, you know, just not a professional size linebacker quality right there, let alone college. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, actually, I did have, have some colleges look at me. I had one in particular, and I said looking at me, we were at a camp, and they were like, hey, we like you, man. Keep in touch with us. We'd love to kind of see what this looks like. And I was like, cool. And for me, at high school, at the moment, they asked, I was like, what, what do they mean keep up with them? Like, how do I call? Like, like how do I keep up with these coaches? Like, they didn't give me a card or anything like that. Like, what does that look like or mean? And so I kind of just like, well, that's really good. Me never happened. And, and so often, I, I've, I've kind of looked at this, and I've kind of gone, you know, hey, yeah, I didn't make football because I was too small. I didn't make football because the system's messed up. I thought they were going to just come find me, and no one came and found me, and all these things. But the truth of the matter was, I didn't apply myself to it in the sense of being found. I, had, like, like, I easily could have made some tape. I had friends that were making tape. I could have gone to the coach and said, hey, coach, what does it mean? What does it look like for me to, if I want to pursue this, how do I do it? I never went and just asked those questions to figure that out, and that's on me. I easily could have done that. It's not that hard to figure out, like, hey, I want to do this thing. How do I do it? But I never actually, besides going, that's what I want to do, voiced out, man, what does that look like, and how do I do that, particularly for someone who has some of those quote-unquote setbacks. But I could have gone and played college. Like I said, there was a college that actually was interested in me, and I didn't, I didn't apply myself. But for the first couple, like, kind, of, kind of first years from that, I, I didn't accept that. I kind of was like, man, it's all this dumb stuff and this and that. And, and I didn't take the blame I should have took on myself. But because, I have re, like, because I've kind of realized that and recognized, like, hey, that really was me. I could have applied myself more. It's helped me now going forward to kind of go, man, I want to, you know, start asking things. And, and, and obviously, I'm, I'm not, I love my life. Like, if I would have done that, kind of the point of that, my life would have been way different if I would have just applied those things possibly. If I could go to college and play football, I don't know where I'd be. I'm really glad I got to here where I'm at today. But even with that where it's like, I, I want to change anything now. But because I've learned and took the blame for that, I can now go, okay, I'm owning what I did there, and now I'm going to ask people, when I have questions, when I'm wondering things, I'm going to ask the questions, like, hey, how do I do this? I'm not sure about this. What's going on? How do we get to that objective? Um, before I took ownership of that, kind of, hey, that's on me, I never would have learned that. I never did learn that. Um, so that's kind of the first one. But the next one is more, um, more seeing how it can, it can work out the other way, and, and more so, I think, a little bit more representation of what we can see when we approach God and with honesty. And it kind of is some pretty, I'm going to temper it a little bit, but uh, some interesting things about my past and, and just kind of some dumb things I did. But when I was in, when, first of all, growing up, my mom, we lived in a house where like lying was not tolerated. And I don't say that in a sense of like, I'm sure y'all tolerate lying in your house. That's not what I'm saying. What I mean is I'm like, you know, we have like Bible verses over our couches and in the bathroom. I'm pretty sure we had that like, we don't lie in our house all over the house. Like that was kind of like our family mantra is we don't lie. My mom's like, my number one pet peeve is lying, which is also funny because, you know, obviously there's things that she lied about. But um, that was the thing we kind of learned. And to kind of give you guys an idea of that, and when I was eight years old, um, my mom and stepdad, I was nine actually. When I was nine, my mom and stepdad got married. And we actually went over to a courthouse in Alabama and, and they went to a courthouse and got married in the, in, in the um, you know, the office of the judge or whatever. 
And I remember I got out of school that day to go there and, and, and be there, and it was my grandparents and that. I remember, like, I've been to my uncle aunt's wedding at that time, and I was like, I was expecting something different <laughs> um, as a nine-year-old, but I was like, okay, it's, it, it is what it is. But I went back to school, and my teacher, knowing that, hey, I was out because of my parents' wedding, was like, hey, you're back. How, how was the wedding? Like, what, what, like, where'd you go? What happened? I was like, oh, yeah, it was good. They, they got married at the courthouse. And immediately my teacher was like, oh. And I, I could tell, like, wait, that, oh, was not, okay. So I immediately was like, but it's not, not like what you're thinking, because I knew what she was thinking, because I was, like, there when it happened. So I was like, no, no, not like that. Like, like you know, in the courthouse where the judge and the people are, like, like they just want to get married there. And so they had, like, the, the people there, and it was, it was in the actual courthouse. It wasn't what you're thinking, and it was obviously what she was thinking. So her telling, I could tell, like, obviously he seems ashamed of this or whatever, called my mom, let her know, like, hey, Josh is, doesn't seem to be dealing with this marriage well. So when I got home, my mom, nine years old, for lying to my teacher, grounded me for three months where all I could do was read books. I couldn't hang out. I couldn't even watch TV with the family. couldn't do anything. Like, super hard grounding for a nine-year-old for lying. Now, obviously, going on, going forward, I got better at lying. And so there were some things. <laughs> I, did, I didn't get as much trouble as, as, as I would thought. So I was like, does that really work? Because you'd always say, if you just tell me the truth, Josh, you're, like, the, the punishment will not be as severe as, as you think it's going to be. And so a couple times I would kind of bend the truth a little bit or whatever. I'd, I'd like, I think that wasn't that bad or whatever, and sometimes I'd get caught. Well, one time in high school, I was actually um, sneaking out to go see a friend of mine. You guys can put all that together. Um, and so I got caught, uh, basically. And virtually what, had, what happened almost immediately after I got caught is I had to sit down with my friend's parents and my mom and kind of just go, anything y'all want to tell? Like, they did the whole, like, anything you want to tell us? Like, we're kind of caught. So obviously, um, and my friend... Uh, Try to lie, like, you know, like, you know, it was the first time, what have you been doing, this and that, and was like, oh, no, it's, you know, snuck out for homework, and, and this is the first time, and there's this test tomorrow, and I was like, man, we're caught, like, what are you, what are you talking about? So I literally was just like, nah, this is, it's been for a while, like, totally, like, everything you guys are fear, thinking, and that, yeah, that happened, and I, I didn't, I didn't hold back, I just, here it is, like, I told it as it was, as my friend, even in the midst of that, continued to try to lie. When we left, I'm sitting there thinking, like, I was sneaking out doing this. I was expecting, like, all right, I'll probably be grounded till I graduate college, maybe later. Like, you know, like, I'm in some serious trouble. And my mom, whereas beforehand, she was like, oh, it's on. Like, she was obviously mad. We got in the car afterwards, and she was like, son, I'm, I'm upset at what's happened, but I'm really proud of you. And she said, I've always told you, if you told the truth, it wouldn't be as bad. So I got grounded for, I think, a week with, I couldn't drive, and I, and, and I had to get my phone up. But I actually, I think, still was able to hang out with a couple of my guy friends and um, play games, watch TV with the family. Like, like, really, it wasn't that bad of a punishment. And I remember it was, literally it was just because I was honest. I came clean. And I think for us today, kind of the whole look in the blame game is, is that's what I think the, 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 the kind of heart and goal, and we're actually seeing a little bit later in Scripture sometimes where, where that happened, and God kind of comes up and says those things, and, and it's really hopefully helped us to see, man, if we just come clean, with what's going on, we're not trying to hide all of our stuff. We're not trying to throw it somewhere else, throw the blame here or there. It's not really me, like I don't, because we're afraid of the guilt or the shame, and just going to go, hey, here it is. I think we'll find that actually we'll find more fulfillment in life than wreckage. Um, often, what I think happens is we we kind of do this. So my, so my question to you guys is this: Are you being honest with yourself? where you're at. Like, so thinking about that, where you're in life, what's going on in life, are you being honest with yourself? Who and what do you blame for where you are in life? 
The good, the badly, the good, the badly, the good, the bad, or ugly. Who gets the blame? When something good happens, who, like, is, is it all, you know, oh, yeah, that's all me? When something bad happens, is it, man, now that was me, or is it, ah, really, it's this thing or that person? Something ugly happens, is it, like, totally not me, I'm beautiful? Like, which, which are those? And if you're not being honest with yourself, taking uh, ownership of your decisions and lot in life, you may be dangerously close or presently wrecking your life. If you're not being honest and taking ownership of, of your blame and, and, and what's going on in your life, not saying, not saying that absolutely every aspect of your life, that's kind of my, dis, my little disclaimer here is, I'm not saying every bad thing in your life is your fault. It's like I said earlier, that, that's another thing we do that goes too far. So there's things in our life that happens. There's people that have, that, like, the state of our world, and we all, as we're going to see, are kind of messed up. Other people come in and hurt us. There's abuse that happens. Like, those kind of things, that, that's not, not necessarily your fault, but we still at the same time have to take ownership of what is our fault, and most of the part, mostly part of our lives is our fault. And even also in those other situations where it's not our fault, we still have to deal with it. We still have to go on with that. So when it comes to the blame game, are we, are we taking our fair share of blame? And then what are we doing with that blame? Um, the big thing I want us to kind of get here and kind of an overview of, of where we're going to go today is to see that, man, there's so many things we want to throw out. A lot of the core of that, the kind of deep down part of that is, like I said, I don't, want, I don't want the shame, I don't want the guilt. And, and, and honestly, one of my struggles with this, like I said, kind of looking, getting ready for this, is there's so many branches where this goes off of. There's so many different areas we can talk about with this. But I think kind of the core is just realizing, man, what part do I play in this tr- the troubles I'm having in my life? And then once we do that, once we kind of own, like, okay, here's, here's really where I'm at fault, here's what I have going on, we need to learn to give it up, right? We can't just hold on to it. We've got to give it up and give it, Give it to God, who's already paid the price for us. The stuff we've messed up, the things in our life that are like, this isn't adding up, this isn't working out. God has already paid the price for us to overcome that, to overcome the things in our lives, our shortcomings. So our, our, our goal today and our hope is that we will see that. We'll, we'll own, own, our, own, our, own our own mistakes, our own mess-ups, our own sin, and then we won't hold on to it, but we'll give it to God. So I told you there's a couple examples in the Bible of, of kind of this and help us see and help us think. Now, th- these examples in the Bible did not actually work out well for the people, but what's interesting is the pe- the, every, every, these two examples I'm going to give, there's lots in Scripture, but the two examples I'm going to give, I find it interesting how God approaches it and kind of where God leaves a door open for us to see how this game can play out and gives us thoughts for, and, and things to think. The first one is going to be Adam and Eve, and then we're going to actually talk about Cain and Abel, which Chris talked about a couple weeks ago, but we're, a couple of interesting things to me about that that we're going to kind of touch back on. But Adam and Eve, we all kind of know that story, right? Adam and Eve, first people, God made Adam, then he made Eve, and they were in the Garden of Eden, everything was great, everything's perfect. The only thing they couldn't do was eat from that one tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, right? So if they ate that fruit, they received that knowledge, and they, they would disobey God. It's the only thing God told them not to do, there would be sin, and he said the consequence of that is death. So obviously they're hanging out one day, and a snake slithers up, tells Eve, like, hey, why don't you eat that? And she was like, because God said not to. She had, a couple, she had a couple things God didn't really say. And then he's like, listen, God doesn't want you to do that just because you're going to be just like him and he doesn't want you to be like him. And then all of a sudden, a woman's like, huh. So she tries it. She tries it. And she's like, hey, Adam, try some of this. And he's like, okay. So he takes some. He eats it. And immediately, there's some reasons why that happened, right? So he, immediately, they realize they're naked. And they realize that, man, Something's not right anymore. So all of a sudden now, where they were in communion with God, they were, had this intimate thing with God, and they, they just, day by day walking with him, all of a sudden they're like, they're shamed. They go to the fig leaves to cover themselves up, and they're hiding from God, and God comes in the garden. And he says, Adam, where, where are you? God, I'm, I'm over here. I'm, 
I'm naked, I'm hiding. And he's like, what, who told you that? Like, what's going on? And, and all of a sudden it comes out and, and Adam comes up and he says, man, Eve made me do it. And then Eve's like, man, a snake made me do it and the snake didn't have a leg to stand on. So it just kind of stopped there. So some of you guys have heard the cheese joke before. So, but here's the thing, that's what they did. They legitimately blamed on the line. Now, a lot of times the way we do, the way we play the blame game, we're throwing blame down somewhere else is we expect if I do that, then, oh, that just completely came off my ear. That was weird. <laughs> then it, things aren't going to, like, like I, it'll be better for me. But here's the thing. When it happened, God was like, Adam, what happened? He said, Eve. And God's like, Eve, what do you say? And Eve's like, Psh, the snake. And then he got a snake, and he's like, all right, listen. You ain't you got nothing, right? So he goes down, and he punishes all of them. They all get punishment for what they did. And what's intriguing me about this is God had no need to ask. God knew what happened. As soon as it happened, God knew what happened. God comes in asking where Adam is, but why? One of the things, you know, I talked about that story for me, and like a lot of you guys as parents know this sometimes. You know what's going on with your kid, but you want to give them the benefit of the doubt or the chance to kind of own up. So you come in a situation, you're like, hey, is there anything you want to tell me? And then, you know, obviously as, as a kid or whatever, you're like, how much do they know? <laughs> what, can I, what can I get away with here? And, and virtually God's coming in saying, here's your chance. Like, we, knowing how God is love and how gracious and merciful he is, what would have happened if God said, Adam, where are you? And he said, God, I messed up. I'm so sorry. You said not to eat the tree, and I ate the tree. I shouldn't have. Like, Eve told me, but, like, like that's not horrible. Like, I should have just not done it, and I, I was there. I could have stopped it. Like, what would have happened if Adam just fessed up and said, man, God, I messed up? What if Eve would have been like, yeah, I, God, I, I shouldn't have eaten it. I knew, I knew better. The snake was saying stuff, and it was just, I, I shouldn't have. What would have happened? The snake would have just had no legs. That's all that, you know, like, like I don't know really what happened. We don't know, but it gives us thought to think because God knew what happened. He was doing that to give them the chance to come clean. And the same thing as my mom is, hey, listen, if you come clean, it's, it's not going to be as bad. I'm just, like, there still would have been consequences, I'm sure. Like, the, there's penalty for that. But what would it have looked like? How different would it have been? And just kind of proof, like, like is God really loving all that stuff? Really, in, literally in that moment, God still says after all that, he says, listen, I'm going to send, the seed of the woman is going to come, and he's going to crush the head of the snake. Like, he was giving the, the gospel right there. Like, Jesus is going to come, he's going to save you guys, he's going to make it all right again. Like, even in that moment. So just kind of things to think about, what, what would have happened? The next one was Cain and Abel, which is actually two, t- God gives Cain two chances to come clean. Two chances to kind of get things right which I find really interesting. I didn't really notice, actually, until Chris talked about it, and there's something there I didn't even notice that I think I find really interesting that's going to be, I think, pretty important for us later on in this message. But, you know, we also know that story. You know, Cain and Abel are the son of Adam and Eve, the sons of Adam and Eve. Um, they bring offerings to God, sacrificial offerings to God, and he proves Abel's and doesn't approve Cain's. And not because, like, Cain's offering just looked really good, and, 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 or not because Abel's offering looked really good, and Cain's just looked kind of like, eh. But it's because when, when Abel came, he knows, God, you are my everything. I'm like, you're, he was, God, I want connection with you. I want relation with you. And when Cain came, he's just like, doing my duty. Here you go, whatever. I'm supposed to do this. And he looked at Cain. He said, Cain, I did, don't, don't fall victim to the devil. Don't fall victim to the sin. And he actually says, you're to have dominion over sin. He's literally telling Cain, like, hey, man, don't, don't go down this path. We, I want to be with you. I want to be connected. I'm not, I'm not worried about the stuff. I just want you. I want, to, I want a relationship with you. And Cain and his, his anger and his frustration is kind of like, man, man, God, what's your deal? And, and my brother, like, what's, what's up with him? And he kind of blames him. And all of a sudden he goes and kills his brother. Like he fell victim to it. And then 
he comes back and God says, where's your brother? Which is interesting to me because God knew not only, like, obviously, but literally right after Cain gives his little response, he says, Cain, your brother's blood is crying out to me. The ground that your brother spilled on is crying out. He knew what happened. Not just because the blood was crying out. He knew like the whole time, everything. But yet, even when Cain comes back, he says, Cain, where's your brother Abel? And Cain's response in that moment was, do I love my brother's keeper? In that moment, I was like, Cain, you sent him out and received punishment. But the reason God asked is the same thing. For Cain to come back, God, I, I got really mad. And I really messed up. Like, I killed Abel. Like, what would that have looked like? If Cain would have just, like, that's why God asked, where's your brother? I, I killed him, God. I'm sorry. What would that have looked like if he just owned it? Yeah, I did that. And the other side of that, too, the first thing I just find interesting first to kind of hold on to and food for thought is he tells Cain, you're supposed to have dominion over sin. You're supposed to have mastery over it. Not mastery of it, but over it. That literally we, we're to have control over, over this, this temptation and this drive to sin. Now what he's talking about and we find and see is that we can't do that on our own. But God is saying, Cain, with me you can. With me, we can find mastery over this. And with Jesus, as we're going to see and find out, we can as well. And so here, here's the, really, the, the, the point of the whole thing. Romans 3.23 says that we have all sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. We have all sinned and fallen short of his glorious standard. We've all messed up. We're all in this boat. None of us are immune to this. None of us haven't messed up enough or, or, or haven't, haven't got to that point where we just, we've really messed things up. We've thrown our life out of kilter or that we've sinned and, and, and things just aren't right and we know that we've done wrong or that we're doing wrong. We have all done that. I'm not saying that in the sense of like, you guys are really bad. I'm saying that as in, I'm bad. We are bad. Part of the problem with the world and what we're seeing is the fact that we are bad. That's where things come from. We have all sinned. We all have this propensity to do this. And in our personal lives, we're the primary reason for our, for, for our individual life and what happens to it. And we've got to take ownership of that. But the truth is that, uh, that owning our mistakes, taking ownership, realizing that, hey, I did this, that's the first step to, to experiencing change. The first step to be able to go, okay, I'm owning this, and then at that point going, God, I'm giving it to you. That's our, our ticket to changing, to getting better, to having mastery over sin, having mastery over these things, finding victory in life. And what I love is, is, is even in this, Romans, in Romans 3, when, when he says this, it's not like verse upon verse, like I, like I feel like I've kind of built it up, like, y'all are horrible, sin is bad, like, and, and even Romans, I throw out Romans 3.23, we often throw out Romans 3.23, because we've all sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard, and we're like, man, we stink, we're horrible. What's crazy in that passage, that's one verse. One verse. 24, the very next verse, not five verses later, after he really let us know how bad we are and all that, he said, in, in, in verse 24, he said, yet God graciously and freely gave us his righteousness through Christ Jesus. And then in verse 25, he explains that he did that by sending his son to die for our sins, to take our place, to pay the price of our sins, of our mess-ups. And to give us his holiness and his righteousness as long as we believe in him. He did that for all of us. All we have to do is recognize, own it. God, yeah, I did that. And, and here it is. And I, I accept and that I've done these things and, and, and that you have died for me. That you've given these things 
for me. One verse after that. We have power in him to find victory in this. But we have to also let go. We have to remember that because so often, especially in a super spiritual culture or even just simply the way sometimes life seems dealt to us, we hold on so much to, to our faults, to where we mess up. So often we're just so like, man, all this stuff's messing up. But I'm, I, I'm finding out like some like mental things going on with me, all that stuff. Like in life, like that's, that's been more of my natural stance. It's just everything's my fault. Absolutely everything. I am horrible. I'm the scum of the earth. If I, could just, like, if, if I just didn't freaking talk or walk in the equation, things would be better for people probably. I've, I've been in that spot. But we've got to let go of that. Christ didn't just, hey, listen, own it, man. It would be better if you just own it. He said, man, own it and give it to me because I've taken care of it. That shame and guilt we feel, he's saying, man, listen, no, you don't have to have that because I paid the price for it. But we've got to be willing to let it go and give it to him. And here's the thing, too. I want you guys to realize this, too. Some things aren't your fault. Everything in life that is happening to you is not your fault. In the sense of, like, man, when things are, like, good, bad, ugly, all that stuff, it's not all your fault. Like I said, there's some, there's some cases where, I mean, because we're all bad and all sinful, like, that people are just extremely living out of that and sometimes abuse other people. Or sometimes just hurt happens or sometimes just things in life happen. But, like I said, we've still got to deal with that. So we've still got to go to God and let it go. And realize, God, I, I, I'm not... The things I'm in control of, I'm giving to you because I need your help to have mastery over this sin. And things I'm not in control of, I'm not even in control. I need your help to overcome them as well. He is willing and just to do it because of what he's done for us. But we have to let it go. I almost want to start singing there. I was really close. Get my inner Elsa on. <laughs> so like I said, I want to encourage you guys to let it go. Give those things to God. He paid the price for you already. You don't need to pay it anymore. Then... Here's the cool thing, guys. Then we can learn from some of our shortcomings for him. Um, first, uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 12, verses 1 to 10. I'm going to read those for us real quick. And, and I want to say, like, when I first start reading it, you might be kind of like, what does it have to do with today? And we're going to get into that. Um, but let, in the latter half, a lot of part of these verses, that will make more sense. Uh, but then we're going to come back to that first part. But I'm going to read that and talk, talk a little bit about that. So here's what it says. This boasting will do no good, but I must go on. So Paul's telling us here, I will reluctantly tell about visions and revelations from the Lord. I was, sorry, I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago, whether I was in my body or, in, or out of my body. I don't, know, only, I don't know, only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body. But I do know that I was caught up to paradise, heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words. Things no human is allowed to tell. That experience is worth boasting about, but I'm not going to do it. I will boast only about my weaknesses. If I want to boast, I would be no fool. I'm doing so because I would be telling the truth. But I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message. Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan, to torment me and keep me from being, becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and, I will in, and, and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For I am weak, then I am strong. Here's the thing. 
Paul, and, and so often the blame game, it, 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 the core of it is, is so often pride. I mean, I, I just, I don't, I don't want to come across as being weak or, or anything like that, so like, I'm, I'm going to kind of throw blame other places so I can come out like nice and shiny. Or even on the other end, where I'm holding on to it, a lot of times, not always, but a lot of times, some of it is, is this spiritual kind of, hey, look at me, I can hold on so much, like, I am the scum of the earth, like, you know, don't you see that? Like, like and we're trying to make kind of a spiritualized thing there, and it's kind of like, look at me. And what Paul is saying here is this, he's saying, I mean, guys, listen, I could boast about these things. What I, what I love is he says, 14 years ago, like, like I'm reluctant to share this, I had, like, for 14 years, he's pretty much seemed to be quiet about it. And then he's, he's, he's saying these things, and he says, man, like, like, this could be what I could build my life around. He could do this and overshadow his weaknesses. Look what God did with me. Look where I got to go. And use that to kind of say, look, look, like, don't look at these things. Look at this. And what, he, what, what Paul says is, like, no, I'm not going to do that, though. I'm going to boast in my weakness because in that, like, like, like obviously, like, I prayed for this, and, and, and we don't, I'm not fully sure what it is. It's, it's, you know, it's probably not like, like he's, like, oh, like sitting on stuff. It might be a struggle he has or, or a, a physical ailment, which wouldn't make a lot of sense. But, like, whatever it is, he's saying, God, I'll take this away from me. And God says, no, because in your weakness, I am strong. It's a constant reminder to him, like, I need you. So often, if we just receive blessing after blessing, if we're honest with ourselves, we can all pretty much come to the conclusion, like, if I'm just receiving blessings... I might forget, start forgetting God because I've got it handled. Things seem pretty good. But some of those things are allowed to stay just simply for us to remember, I can't do this on my own. God, I still need you and I still need others to help me out. What I love about this, and, and I mean, Scripture says this, all good things come from above. All good things. The good in our lives, the good that happens to us is, is not of our own design, but it's all from God. All of it. So we're able to look to him and glorify him in that, and then in our weaknesses, we're able to give him those. Go, God, use me as you see fit, and even work in these to show your strength. For me, honestly, one of the things I, I struggle with, and you guys notice I talk really fast. Um, I don't stutter as bad as I used to, but I still sometimes do. Um, and honestly, if you guys pay attention to me when I host, for the last like three weeks, I've called us Ridge Porch Church. Ridge Perch Church. I don't even know what that means. Like, you know, like I don't, <laughs> don't know what that is, but it's just this kind of, you know, this speaking thing, but yeah, God's like, that's where God has me. I feel like God uses that. It's a weakness. But, but here's the thing. When we own our stuff, we own our sin and our weakness and all those things, and we give it back up to God, we can find out, okay, God, what, is, what really is sin? What are some things I really need to just stop and they, they don't need to be part of my life at all? And what are some things that are here to keep me grounded, to keep me focused on you? Because there's some things in our lives that feel like weaknesses that God is trying to say, listen, I want you to give me that because I want to bless your socks off. I want to work in that so you can see that, my, like, that your weakness is strongest with me. But until we own our, all of our stuff, we can't know what, what part of our weakness is God is trying to use and what part is, hey, I need to grow past that. So here's the big idea. We need to own our mistakes and shortcomings. Then we need to surrender, surrender them to God. I think I've said that like 15 times. So obviously, like, it's the big idea. We need, we need to own our mistakes and shortcomings. Then we need to surrender them to God. So the question is, kind of as we get ready to go, is, is how do we do this? What does this look like? The first thing I want to kind of challenge, there's like kind of three things I want to challenge us to do, is, is take ownership and confess our sins. There's healing there. James 5.16 tells us that that if we confess our sins to one another and pray for each other, that there is healing and power there. 
So my encouragement to you guys is, is, man, if there's something you're struggling with, there's a sin, man, talk to your spouse, talk to your really close brother or sister in Christ, like somebody you know that knows Jesus. Um, like this is something intimate. And you need to talk to God too. Like obviously we need to confess these things to God. Like God went to Adam and Eve and he went to Cain and, and he, he confessed to me. Like he wants that intimacy and relationship with us. But also we need to talk to other people to help hold us accountable. And when I say, when I say that, I feel like accountability also like has this kind of negative connotation a lot of times where it's kind of like, man, I need accountability partner to whip me in shape. And like I go meet with people and they're like, how have you screwed up? You messed up. You know, like, like that's how a lot of people see accountability. But that's not how accountability and grace works and should look. It's kind of more so, hey, we're going to be open and honest with each other. There's going to be a level playing field. I'm going to challenge you to continue to, to let go of those things and, and seek Christ in that. To come and go, hey, God, hey man, this, this is what I'm struggling with. This is what's going on. And that friend to be able to go, man, awesome. I'm going to pray for you. And, and how else can I help? And, and, and not necessarily to be this in shape, but just to simply have that, like, if I know later I've got to talk to a friend and let them know, hey, I messed up. It's a little bit bigger of a deterrent not to do it. But also as we do that, as we stop hiding behind these things, we have, there's just power in letting it come to light. A lot of times when we step into the light, the darkness flees, the sins run away. So my challenge to you guys is this and that is to try this. If nothing else, at least just find a friend that you know you can trust and let them know, can I talk to you about some, some tough things I'm dealing with that I'm struggling with and find the release like you get in the spirit in that. I'm saying right now, man, there's so many times I've, I've been able to talk to her, like I've been struggling with something, and I've just been able to be like, dude, I'm struggling honestly with this right here. And my friend's been like, dude, that's, that's crazy. Can I pray? And like we just pray, and I'm like, dude, I feel, I feel better. And the next time, next time I come to that, I'm like, I don't want to do that. Like, dude, living this life like, for Jesus and with him and just letting go of all this, this honest garbage, I'm, I don't want it. Like I'm, I'm good now. And there's so much freeing, but we have to confess our sins. The next thing is, 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 is give those kind of shortcomings and weaknesses, give those to God to use. Let him lead that. Philippians um, 3, uh, 12 to 13 says this. This is what Paul says. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. He's really talking about before this. He's talking about the law and, and, and then like coming away from that and now just following Jesus and living, um, living like him. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. My encouragement there is, guys, is, is this. As we give it to God, is just go to him and, and pursue him. Like James talked about last week with addiction, like we, we need to let go of these things that we're trying to hold on for comfort and peace in our life and go to him. If there's something that you feel that you, like, 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 like and Jay just talked about all kinds of addictions, right? Like, like not just like, they're, but they're not just like these big, like, like drug addictions or things we think of like that. There's anything that we, we put in place for comfort in our lives, like, like anything to help us get, get by or, or, or life, just kind of cope. Man, whatever that is, I want to encourage you instead, when you approach that thing, stop and just go, you know, instead of this right here, I'm going to spend this time talking with God. I'm going to spend this time maybe like singing some worship songs, or I'm going to spend this time reading the Bible. Like, I'm going to do something God, I want, I want to spend time with you. I don't, I don't want this anymore. I want you to fill this void in my life. You got to give those things up. And maybe it's just something else in your life, just something where it's like, God, I, I'm not sure what you want me to do with this weakness I have. And just talk to him about it. Pursue him, because he's got big things for, planned for you. I love the part where he says, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ first possessed me. That perfection. Not that we are perfect or even that we're going to fully get there, but when Christ came into our lives, when he gave us the Holy Spirit, we, complete, complete, we, come, we become completely holy and righteous. We at that moment 
have the ability to have mastery over sin. We don't have to say yes to sin anymore. We get to say no. Without Christ, we have no ability to look at sin and say no. But with Christ, all of a sudden now we can look and go, no, that's not who I am anymore. Not that we don't mess up still, like Paul said, I still haven't reached it, but we have the ability to. And so now we can come, we confess those sins, and then we, we approach those things, we can just continue to push towards the Christ. Letting go of the past, the things that I've done before, the screw-ups I've had, I can let go. I've let go of them already. God, they're yours. I'm not going to let those dictate my life anymore. Today is a new day. And then last, oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, that was last. <laughs> Recognize your weakness was, was second. I kind of explained it in the same thing as that. I was wondering, I'm like, what? I was supposed to, yeah. So recognize your weakness. Talk to God about those things. Realize what's going on. Realize what needs to stay and what needs to go. Um, but here's, here's kind of the last challenge for us to think through. Are you, are you talking with him on a daily basis with God? Are you spending time in the Bible, which I want you guys to realize this, the Bible's not just some kind of like mystic book or this or that. Like these are eyewitness accounts to the glory of God. Like, like this is historic. And it's ordained by God to us to say, hey, listen, this is, this is kind of a, a little bit of a guidebook to help us understand and see what, what he's doing in our spirit, what he's doing in the world around us. And just kind of a little pointer to that. It's been around forever. The Bible's not been quite around 2,000 years, but what happened 2,000 years ago People have been trying to discredit, and yet here we are. 2,000 years to discredit something they can't even get close to. Often now it's just met with an angry rage or a, ah, I'm done, just don't even worry about it, you're so dumb. And it's like, there's no real argument to have because there's nothing to really stop it. This is real. And the last thing, and I, I often always say this when I speak, just because, especially what we're talking about today with confessing our sins to one another, are you in a group? Are you in a group where you get to, to talk with other brothers and sisters in, in, in Christ or just other people in general and, and, and be able to say, hey, this is what I'm dealing with, this is what I'm going through? And here's the thing about our groups, guys. We have groups throughout the week, but even now we have one online where, if, man, honestly, there's not time I can meet with a group that meets the time I can. We've got an online group that meets, so that there's at least, there's still that to get connected with. So I just want to encourage us, man, let's go after him and let's, let's, let's do it together. Um, I said, I want to I pray for us and we'll, um, let's just pray. Dave, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for your love and your grace. God, that we, uh, we get to, to, to come and meet with you, God, that, that you desire a relationship with us. And all we have to do is, is own our stuff, own the things in our life that, that, that we're responsible for. Not just the good stuff, not just stuff we think is good or we like, but, but all of it, the bad and the ugly. And then we need to give that to you, God. For you've made a way for us to, to, to be able to do that. you paid the price for those things. So I just pray we would do that. I pray if anyone here is struggling just to kind of find that time or, or struggling with, man, there's just this thing that keeps getting in my way with you, God. I pray right now in Jesus' name, Daddy, that, that you, would, you would just enter in and, 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 and give them that overwhelming desire and passion just to, to see you and be with you over whatever that thing is. If someone in here doesn't know you today, Daddy, I pray that they would just own up that man life has stunk i've seen that i've been a lot of the result of it and some of it's happened to me but i still have have a lot of things going on god and i see like they would see that you have paid the price for that that you want to come in and give purpose give meaning give life they would do that david here does know you they're just trying to go closer to you daddy that, that, that right now as we sing this song god that there would be an intimate moment that drives and leads out 
for intimate moments with you throughout this entire week. God, help us own our sin, our mistakes, our weakness, and help us surrender it to you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.